Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 a.m. in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30 p.m. I want to start today with a story. I've shared it before. Uh, You've heard it maybe. You've heard me mention it before, but I begin with the story. The story of when I drowned my car. Now, I had the wisdom today. Uh, There are some of us here in person as we're bringing this service to you. I had the wisdom today to not drown my car in snow. I got, I got picked up this morning, but uh, this was uh, years ago when I was in college. I was driving an Isuzu iMark. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's because there's probably not many of those still on the road. There's not many people bragging, hey man, look at my Isuzu iMark, but that was my car game at the time. Again, church family, you know, I, I don't know much about cars. They're not a real big deal to me. So this car was good because it worked and it had four wheels and it took me from place to place, but a little hatchback, kind of goldish color, a Suzu Imark, and I'm driving, and it's raining. In one particular night, there's kind of a puddle in front of me, and I got to get from here to there, and so my thought is I'll drive through the puddle, and little did I know, I began to sink into the puddle. Water, if you've never had this experience before, it's terrifying. Water starts coming up through the floorboards of your car. It's like one of those things like, this shouldn't be happening, right? So I stop, try to reverse, I can't, The car fills about halfway up with water. Tow truck has to come. I drowned my car. I drowned my car. Why in the world do I tell you this story? I tell you that story because the reality of why I drowned my car is because there was something happening beneath the surface that I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't decipher. Uh, Above the surface, I kind of took I kind of took, okay, I think I'm good. I think I can make it. I see what's happening. There's some rain. There's a puddle. But the real danger wasn't what is happening above the surface. The real danger to me and my car may at rest in peace was what was happening beneath. Because beneath, this puddle was more than a puddle. It it was a hole. It it was mud. It was was a cavern, right? And and into the the hole I sank. And so why do I tell you that story? Is because I believe today, I believe today the most important thing that's been impacting you over this past year is not something you can see. It's, it's real, it's powerful, but you don't see it when it's upon you. And no, I'm not talking about the coronavirus. We're going to be today in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The message for today is entitled, The Real Battle. <laughs> the Real Battle. And so I want to invite you today Uh, As we get ready, next week we're going to launch into a brand new series as we open our our new campus. Excited about that, but we wanted to pause for a week here at the end of January and dive into these three verses in Ephesians chapter 6. Here's a little bit of background of Ephesians. It's written by a guy named Paul, uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he, he is believed that Ephesians is one of four letters that he wrote while he was in prison. And he's in chains because of the gospel. And he's writing, he's writing to people that he loved. He's writing to people, we know uh, at least a couple times he spent some time here in Ephesus. 
And so he's writing not just to one church, not just to one group, but to a group of churches, to a region of people that he's invested a lot of time and energy. And so because of that, these words matter. And if you were, in your copy of Scripture, I hope you have it open there with you. If you were to look, there's six chapters in Ephesians. And Ephesians is broken up this way. The first three chapters are really kind of this deep theological. If you haven't, uh, just yesterday I was in the car and I just turned on Ephesians 1. I'm listening to it. It's just rich deep, theological, good stuff. And and chapters 1 through 3, the first half of the letter of Ephesians are that. But the second half, 4, 5, and 6, and again, we're picking up chapter 6 today. It's this practical application. It's how do we apply this to our lives. And we're going to begin reading. Paul is going to do something kind of tricky here. He's going to be something tricky because we're going to begin reading in verse 10, and he starts with the word finally. So you think his letter's over. You think he's ending. Finally is what you say when you're almost done. But then he's going to say something really important. Because you see, the truth is, for us, there's a battle raging. There's a battle raging that we cannot see with our human eyes. And we're going to talk a little bit today of this battle. Uh, Sometimes within the church, we call it spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. And and there's two different kinds of people, right? Some people hear about this idea. We're going to read about it here. It's not my idea. It's in God's word, Ephesians chapter 6. Some people hear this and they get a little bit unsure. They get a little bit freaked out. They're a little bit like, what is this pastor thinking about that we're at? And I get that. I, I understand that. But then there's a whole other group of people. And these people see the devil behind everything. You know, it's like if the coffee was wrong this morning, the devil's just trying to get me out. I mean, they see that they give the devil credit for everything. So, so there's some extremes here. But here's what I want to do today for just a few minutes. I want to open up the word of God. I want to gain our perspective of what's happening, the battle, the real battle from what God's word says. And so if you would join me now, Ephesians chapter 6, just three verses, starting in verse 10, Paul says this word, finally, says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle. Stop there for a minute. Paul is saying there's a struggle here. There's a battle happening, and he's going to tell us a little bit about the battle, but he's actually going to tell us a little bit about what the battle is not before he tells us what the battle is. So keep tracking with me. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. You see what's happening in our world right now, what's happening in our world right now has been happening in our world for generations. It's not a new battle. You see, there's a battle happening. If I said that today, many of us would say, oh yeah, I see it. Oh yeah, let me tell you about that person. Let me tell you about this group of people. Let me tell you about, and we would talk to you about a battle, but you see the real battle that's happening is beneath the surface. What Ephesians 6 says, it's against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world. And this is what I want to do. I want to go, I want to go a little bit backwards in this passage. I want to focus on three really super basic things. Uh, If this is new to you, I think you're going to be able to track along. If it's not, I think this is a good refresher for us on the real battle happening even right now in our world. And I want to work backwards in this text to talk about three observations, three really important things. The first is this. I want us today to acknowledge who the enemy is not. Who the enemy is not and, and, and really why we get that wrong. We're working backwards in the text. So look with me again at verse 12. What does it say? 
our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Who the enemy is not today. It's not flesh and blood, but he goes on against the rulers and the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. So let's begin with this question, who isn't the enemy today? Who isn't the enemy today? Uh, wherever you are, there, there's some people in the room today. You're, some of you are at home, you're in your living room, still in your pajamas, I hope, on this snowy day, right? L- look around wherever you are, look around the room, look somebody in the eye, and, and tell them, you are not the enemy. <laughs> now, there's some marriages that got some help there, right? That was a little bit vulnerable, right? But listen, listen, I, some of you are online right now. Look down your feed. Pull up your social media. Look at that person, you know, that, whoever that person is, you know. The person is driving you nuts. That they can't. Look at them right now. Post this. You are not the enemy. That person, whoever they are right now, that would come to your mind, that feels a lot like your enemy, right? They are not your enemy. Look around your social media feed. Look at your workplace or your school or your neighborhood, your home. That person, whoever it is that you're thinking of today, is not the enemy. But look at what's happening around us, right? In the midst of a global pandemic, right? We're isolated, but through social media and through other avenues, we can yell, we can scream at each other. There's pain and there's grief and there's all this anxiety that is real. And like never before as people, I'm not even talking about just in the church, I'm talking about in our world, we are divided. People, it seems like everywhere feel this need. We got to pick sides. Whose side are you on, right? And Because of that, we are experiencing a battle. But the real battle, the real enemy is not sitting next to you right now. The real battle, the real enemy is not that person whose social media feed you can't stand. You see, this is true. Our enemy, our enemy knows how to divide us. The spiritual forces of this world, they know how to divide us by our culture or by our race or by our skin color. The powers of this dark world. They know how to divide us by our political affiliation, right? And they win. They win every single time when we begin fighting each other. And that's why Paul wants us to declare emphatically who the enemy is not. Because if we begin fighting each other, then we don't stand a chance at fighting the real battle that we can't even see. So next, what what do I want you to know today? I, I don't want you to know just who the enemy is not. I want you to know who the enemy is. Who the enemy is. And in some ways, we have to start with who the enemy is not. So that now we can step in and say, okay, okay, I'm tracking. Let me, let me understand now who the enemy is and why he doesn't want you to know it. Again, we're working backwards here. Verse 12. Now verse 11, it says this, put on the full armor of God. I love that. I want to talk about that. We'll get to that some other time. But why? So that you can take your stand against who? The devil's schemes. The devil's schemes. There is an enemy. There is a real enemy. The devil who opposes God. He opposes God. He opposes us. If you are in Christ, he opposes you. He opposes you. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10. He says that I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You see, Satan, who was Satan? Who was the devil? He was an angel who wanted to be equal with God. He wanted, and this is the great temptation, isn't it? We all have this temptation. We want the glory for us. 
We, we want the praise. We want the worship for us. And ultimately what happened is because Satan wanted to be equal with God, he, he fell from heaven. And now he exists. He, he, he goes on, what, what is he trying to do? To disrupt and destroy what God has created. Destroy God's purposes and his plans for us. 1 John 5, 19 says this. It says that we are living right now in enemy territory. What does it say in, in 1 John 5, 19? That we know we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now, we just spent an entire month, this month of January, talking about the kingdom of God. And I believe, we believe, that the kingdom of God is breaking through right now here among us. Every moment is an opportunity to experience his kingdom. But we have to acknowledge that while we live in this world, ultimately, this world is filled with the evil one, his schemes, his destructive schemes. And because of that, we have to know that the enemy has a plan. The enemy has a plan for you. The enemy has a plan for your home. The enemy has a plan for your neighborhood, for our church, for our nation, for our world. The enemy has a plan. This is what Jesus said. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Later in 1 Peter 5, it says this, that the enemy, what does he do? He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You see, the enemy has a mission to destroy your life destroy you understand a little bit and look 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 we're not going to preach on satan every week right i want to talk about the lord way more than i want to talk about our enemy but sometimes we have to step back and understand a little bit more clearly who our enemy is so we can understand what our battle really is and we can know a little bit more about this enemy just look at some of the names throughout scripture we're not going to do a real deep dive today but just understand some of the names uh, often in scripture he is called the accuser accuser why because he accuses he blames he digs up shame false guilt in your life and if you have ever wrestled with false guilt if you've ever wrestled with the life of shame then you know what it's like to do battle with the accuser because that's not of god the devil is the accuser. Uh, what about the deceiver, right? Ultimately, who is this enemy? He's a liar. He's a liar. He lies. He wants to deceive you and confuse you and distract you. In fact, in Scripture, he's called the father of lies. We, it's no wonder right now in our world that we struggle to even know what's real, to even know what's true. What? Because we have an enemy who's the father of lies. He, he's the tempter. He's the tempter. He's cunning. He's crafty. We get this idea of kind of this uh, devil with pitchforks, right? This, this cartoonish character, and, but, but the devil is crafty. And sometimes temptation is big and bold and obvious, but oftentimes in our life it's subtle. It's one decision at a time, one opportunity at a time. Ultimately, Scripture calls him enemy because why he is our enemy. But listen, this is not... The kingdom, this is not what God desires. He, he doesn't desire for us to be divided. He doesn't desire uh, for, for us to feel defeated. In fact, uh, what did Jesus pray in John 17? He prayed for, for unity. He prayed that those who would believe on him, those that would come after him, he was praying for us. He was praying for future believers. He prayed that they would experience unity. Unity is really the evidence of victory. 
It's the evidence of victory in our spiritual warfare. And this unity was so important that Jesus ultimately died for it because the enemy wants to divide us. The enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy. The enemy is prowling around like a lion, but that's not the most important thing we need to know today. Because you see, the most important thing we need to know today is who wins this battle. Who wins the battle? We have to. We have to stop and understand who the enemy is not. We have to take a serious look and understand scripturally who the enemy is. We don't like to do that. For some of us, it's creepy. For some of us, it's, I get it. But sometimes you have to stop and acknowledge who the enemy is, but don't stop there. If you stop there, then your anxiety and your fear will be overwhelming. If you stop there, then you'll feel like this is hopeless, but you got to get to the most important part. And that's why I believe in our section of scripture, Paul starts with this in verse 10. He says, finally, finally, right? That God wins. God wins because finally, how is this battle? How is this victory ours? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul really begins this section with the victory because it is the most important part. This is what I want you to know. This is so important and we lose sight of it. We're losing sight of it today. We're losing sight of it in this moment. We lose sight of it when we get so distracted by the battle that we can see. We get so distracted. But this is what I want you to know today. Our God wins. That's good news. And even as I say it, even as I say it, I, there's something in my faith at times that struggles with that. There's, there's times where I say, yeah, I know that, but I see everything going on around me and I see everything that I'm experiencing. But, but today, here's the truth. If you are in Christ, what does that mean if you're in Christ? If you are, are in relationship with him, if you're putting your faith and trust in Christ, if you're allowing him to lead your life and you're surrendering to his plan and his mission for your life, if you are in Christ, then the victory for you is certain. It's certain. We know that to be true. See, this is, this is so true as I was studying. Some of us, some of us in the midst of the battle that we're facing, some of us want to live in fear. And when we live in fear, we lack courage but some of us some of us in the midst of the battle we live in foolishness and we lack wisdom the lord wants to give us both courage and wisdom in the battle i want to offer you a challenge and it's right here it's right here in verse 10 that we read it's not it's not my challenge but it's the how because some of you maybe you're watching you're listening today and you're saying man i i want i want victory i need victory i'm desperate for victory in my life how is this possible well, it's right here in verse 10. It's right here in verse 10. He says, we fight the battle. Why? We're we strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. How do you find victory? You've you got to learn to be strong. You've got to learn to fight the fight, but you've got to learn to fight the right fight. And so many believers today, we're fighting the wrong battle. We're trying to win the wrong battle. And as long as the enemy can do that, we never have a chance of experiencing the real victory that God has promised. Be strong in the Lord and his strength and in his mighty power. Remember who the enemy is. Remember that if we declare this word, this gospel is our truth, then we know in the end who wins. And we can be confident, not in our strength, not in our ability, 
but in his mighty power. In his mighty power, he fights the battle. His strength is enough. His strength is enough. Today, today I acknowledge some of us feel overwhelmed by the battle. And each of us, you might be facing a battle very specific to your life, very specific to your circumstances. Today, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to fight the right fight. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Man, the band is coming. We've allowed some time at the end of our service. And here's what we're going to do in just a moment. We're going to fight. Not literally. The band's not coming up to fight me. That would be uh, bad for me, probably, because they're pretty tough. No, no. What are we going to do? We're going to fight. And what does that mean? We're going to worship we're, we're going to worship. What is worship, church? What is worship? Worship is when we exalt, when we lift up, not, not ourselves and not our circumstances and not our physical battle, but when we lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. That's what it means to worship. And why do we worship? Because of what he has done. We worship, though, also because of who he is now. He's worthy. Maybe, maybe you don't even always feel like he's done that much for you. I pray one day you'll see and understand, but right now you can worship because of who he is, because of what he will do. We worship because we stand in his strength and in his power, and we acknowledge that the battle is not ours, but it's his. And so when we worship, we're declaring in faith, not just what he has done, not just who he is now, but what he will do. Nothing right now happening in our world is a surprise to God. Listen, church, nothing happening right now in our world is a surprise to him. Nothing happening right now in our world is too hard for him, is too much for him. Nothing. We feel anxious and afraid because we don't know what's in store. We don't know what the future holds, but we can trust and we can declare and we can exalt and worship a God who does know what tomorrow holds. And we can stand today. We can be strong in his mighty power. And sometimes, you know what worship is? Worship is not about my power. It's not really about how I feel. You know how many times I don't feel like worshiping? You know what worship is? It's, Lord, now I'm standing in your power. I'm exalting you when I don't feel like it. I'm declaring victory when I don't see it yet. That's what it means to fight the right fight. And so now we're, we're going to close with a time of worship, with a time of fighting the right fight. But as we do that, I want to remind you, not of my words, but of God's word today. I want to remind you of his promises. I want to remind you today that if you put your faith and trust in him, the battle belongs to him. And so we can trust in his word and his promise. And so I want to just declare today as we prepare to close, God's word is truth. These are just a few snippets, man. There's hundreds of examples, hundreds of promises that we have throughout scripture that we can cling to, but I just wanna end today with a few. Because believer, today, victory belongs to our God, who is not the enemy. The enemy is not your neighbor. It's not the person. It's not, that's not who the enemy is. There is a real enemy and there is a real battle and it's not the battle you can see. It's beneath the surface. And today God has promised victory if we will learn to fight the right fight in faith. And so church, wherever you're at, we're gonna worship now. 
and we're going to exalt and lift up the name of Jesus, but would you lean in close for a minute as we declare the truth? This is God's word. This is what he says about our victory. Romans 8, 31 says this, What then shall we say in response to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? Later, verse 37, he says, no, 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 no. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors. We're more than victorious. More than conquerors. Through him who loved us. What does 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says? It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Christ Jesus. 1 John 4 says, greater, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is the one, greater is the strength within me than any battle happening around me in the world. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, there will be battles, Jesus said. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.